Chapter Two of the Little House in the Fairy Wood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Little House in the Fairy Wood by Ethel Cook Elliot. Chapter Two: The Bright House. Eric knew nothing of the little girl and her thoughts. He was walking in a golden mist, but he could see quite perfectly, and even far ahead down long tree aisles. At first the trees did not grow very close together, and there was a little underbrush. Several narrow paths started off in different directions. Straight little paths made by people who knew where they were going. But Eric did not know where he was going so he struck off in a place where there was no sign of a path. Soon the trees drew closer and closer together, until their branches locked fingers overhead and shook the yellow leaves down for each other. The leaves showered softly and steadily. Eric's feet rustled loudly in them. Soon he stopped and took off his worn shoes and stockings. He left them where he took them off and went on, barefoot now that he was only in his shirt and trousers he began to run and leap he leapt for the drifting leaves and he ran farther and farther into the happy stillness the trees crowded and crowded and in the midst of leaves grew brighter and brighter no birds sang for they had all flown away for the winter and there were no flowers but the drifting leaves hid the bareness, and the magic covered everything. After Eric had run and leapt, and waited in the crackling pools of leaves for a long time, he grew hungry. But there is no food here, he thought. And anyway, it doesn't matter. It's much better to be hungry here than in the dirty streets. He decided to go to sleep and forget about it. So he lay down in the leaves. They fell over him, a steady, gentle shower, and he slept long and without dreaming anything. But when he woke up, he was cold, and worse than that, the golden mist had faded. It was almost twilight. The light was cold and still and gray. While he slept, Indian summer had vanished, and its magic with it. Now, no matter how fast Eric ran, or how high he jumped, he was chilly through and through. But he did not think of trying to find the way out of the wood. The streets would be as cold as a forest. And never, 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 if he starved and froze, was he going back to that house in the village where he had lived but never belonged. So he went on until the gray light faded, and the soft rustle of falling leaves changed the noise of wind scraping in bare branches. When he was very cold and ready to lie down and sleep again to forget, he came quite suddenly on an opening in the trees. In the dim light, he saw a little garden closed in with a hedge of baby evergreens. The wind was rustling through the stalks of dead flowers in the garden but in the middle of it was a little low house, and the windows and doors were glowing like new warm flowers. 
Yes, it was a house and a garden away there in the wood, but no path led to it through the forest, and there was a strangeness about it, as about no house or garden Eric had ever seen. Although no path led through the wood to the house, a path did run through the garden to the low door stone. Eric went up it and stood looking in at the door, which was open. The glow of the house came from a leaping jolly fire in a big stone fireplace, and from half a dozen squat candles set in brackets around the walls. It was the one lovely room that Eric had ever seen. It was so large that he knew it must occupy the whole of the little house. But in spite of all the brightness, the commerce were dim and far. There were two strange people there, or there were strange to Eric because they were so different from any people he had ever known. One was a young woman who sat sewing cross-legged on a settle at the side of the fireplace. About her the strangest thing was her hair. It was not like most women's, long and twisted up on her head. It was short and curled back about her ears and across her forehead like flower petals. It was the color of the candle flames but her face was brown and her neck and long hands were brown as though she had lived a long time in the sun her eyes that were lifted and scarcely watching the work in their hands were very quiet and gray she was watching and talking to a little girl who was skipping back and forth between a rough sea table set near a fire and an open cupboard door in the wall she was carrying dishes to the table and now and then stopping to stir something good spelling which hung over the fire in a pewter pot with a strong bent twig for a handle the child was strange in a very different way from her mother the mother one could see was merry in spite of her quiet eyes but the child was pale her face was pale and little and round her hair was pale too the color of the ashes and braided in two smooth little braids hanging halfway down her back she moved with almost as much swiftness as the fire shadows and as softly too both mother and daughter were dressed in rough brown smocks with narrow green bells falling loosely strange garments to eric and their feet were bare but stranger than the house stranger than the people in it was the fact that the mother was talking to the little girl just as people of the same age talk to each other and though eric was shaking with cold and aching with hunger he could still wonder deeply at that it's a long way round by the big pine she was saying but you see i'm home in time for supper suppose i had not come until after dark what would you have done Evra? the little girl stopped in her busyness to stand on one foot and think a second why i'd have to put the supper over the fire lighted the candles and run out to meet you oh but you wouldn't know which way to run i might come from any direction uh i'd follow the wind cried Ivra, lifting her serious face and rising to her tiptoes, one arm outstretched as though she was going to follow the wind right then and there. 
It was at that minute they noticed the door had blown open, and that a little boy was standing in it, looking at them. But they neither stared nor exclaimed. Ivra ran to him, her arms still outstretched in a flying gesture, and drew him in. His dirty face was streaked with tears, and his legs and feet were blue with the cold. They knew it was not question time, but comfort time, so mother folded an arm around him, and Ivra skipped more rapidly than ever between the cupboard and the table. Almost at once supper was ready, and the table set for three. As a last thing, Ivra brought all the candles and set them in the middle of the table. They sat down. Eric with his back to the fire. It warmed him through and through, but their friendly faces warmed him more. Very little was said, but when the meal was nearly over, Ibra asked him how long he was going to stay with them. Immediately he stopped eating and dropped his spoon. His eyes filled with tears. He had utterly forgotten about his plight until then. How? He was homeless, workless, and bound to starve and freeze sooner or later. Ibra's mother saw the misery in his face and quietly spoke. We hope for a long time, as long as you want to. Anyway, three in a wood will be merrier than two in a wood. If you're like me, I'll be your mother. Ibra clapped her hand. Stay always, she cried. I will be your playmate. There will be many playmates besides, too, and I will help you find them. Eric glowed. The hatred that had been flaring in his head suddenly faded, and the heavy thing that had been his heart for as long as he could remember became light as thistledown. He looked at the mother, and the kindness in her eyes made him tremble. I will stay and be your child, he said. End of chapter 2